Take your Bibles. Turn with me in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. I like that song. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to preach a message saying, you know, there's, there's different kinds of messages that preachers preach. And uh, some messages apply more to some people than others. Uh, some apply to a particular group of people and not to another group, possibly. Uh, like messages on child training and child rearing, that would apply to people that have children and people that don't, it wouldn't apply. But I like messages like the one I'm going to preach tonight because it applies to everybody. There isn't anybody exempt uh, from the command that is given uh, for us to, to obey, and we'll see it here in just a little bit. But uh, uh, th this, these kind of messages apply to speaker and hearer alike, no matter where you are in life, uh, really even lost or saved. Uh, it, this is an absolute necessity uh, that needs to be in our lives. So let's all stand together, if you would. Philippians chapter 2, and we'll read verses 5 through 8. Beginning in verse 5, speaking of the Lord, well, let's do this. Let's go, let's go up. Let's go up to verse 1. We'll get the context a little bit because when Paul was writing this, there was evidently some controversies in the church. There were some little rumblings and stuff, and it didn't sound like it was anything major, but there were, there were problems in the church of Philippi a little bit, and they weren't necessarily all on the same page. And I believe his instructions here uh, instruct the people of the church of Philippi how, how to get on the same page together. Verse 1 says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Evidently, they were having some problems in that area. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Well, how do you do that? How do you get to that point where, where those actions become normal? He tells us, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and, in, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, what an amazing passage of Scripture when we read that God, that, uh, the uh, fullness of the Godhead bodily, the Lord Jesus Christ, became flesh and humbled himself. Uh, Lord, if uh, it was necessary while you were on this earth to humble yourself, how much more is it necessary for us to be humble before you? We pray, Lord, that you would guide and direct uh, during this message that you would have our hearts tuned in and focused on what saith the Lord. And uh, Lord, may, may we be 
may we be tender-hearted about uh, this, this, uh, this issue of humility and, and humbling ourselves before you. Guide and direct. I, I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, take, my, take my mind, take my thoughts, take my actions, take my heart, take my lips, and use them. Uh, Lord, help me not to have my way in this message, but to have yours. And uh, Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. You know, the, the thing that he said is the key in order to fulfill verses 1 through 4 is to have this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And the mind that was in him was, was, a, humble, was a humble mind. And so humility is something that is an absolute necessity when it comes to the Christian life. I'll go so far as to say it's an absolute necessity when it comes to getting saved. People are, God does not save people that are proud and think they can make it on their own. Uh, they don't need God if they think that. So they have to humble themselves. And I, I remember that was one, of the, was one of the things God worked on my heart the night I got saved. There was, there was some humility that had to take place because uh, I had one opinion when I walked in and I had another opinion when I walked out because I saw scripture and the, the spirit of God worked on my heart and showed me what I, what I needed to do. Um, what is humility? Well, humility is lowliness. It's, it's a modest, meek, and submissive uh, spirit. So it's a deep sense of unworthiness in the sight of God. It's recognizing and acknowledging my total dependence upon God and seeking his will for every decision uh, in my life. Here's a book that I've gotten a hold of. You can get it free. Uh, it's, uh, it's online. You can get it in a digital form. Uh, I've, got it, I've got it digitally. I've also got the, the print copy. It's, it's, a, it's a small book. If you, if you have a hard time reading, and sometimes I do, uh, this is an easy, it, well, it's not an easy book to get through. <laughs> it's, a, it's a short book to read, but it's a kind of a toughie to get through. It's, called, it's just simply called Humility, and it was written by Andrew Murray. I've recommended it before. Boy, if you haven't gotten a hold of it, please do so. It is just an excellent book. But he says this about humility, Andrew Murray does. He says, humility is perfect quietness of heart. It is for me to have no trouble, never to be fretted or vexed or irritated or sore or disappointed. Does that describe you this last week? <laughs> I'm not so sure it describes me this last week. Uh, it is to expect nothing, to wonder at nothing that, that is done to me to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me and when I am blamed or despised. It is to have a blessed home in the Lord where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my Father in secret and be at peace as in a deep sea of calmness when all around is trouble. It is the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ's redemptive work on Calvary's cross manifested in those of his own who are definitely subject to the Holy Spirit. Um, according to the word of God, there are some benefits to being humble. Uh, one obvious benefit, we just read it, 
let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He had a humble mind. When, when we're humble before God and we're humble before others, we become more like the Lord Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Well, you can't do that. You can't submit yourselves one to another uh, without having a humble spirit. It says, And be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Well, so then the, the, the reverse is also true. Uh, if he giveth grace to the humble, then he does not or he withholds grace from the proud. So, so grace is a benefit. Uh, another benefit, uh, James chapter 4 and verse 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. God will lift you up. God will exalt you. God will encourage you. I, I think lifting you up, I think there's many different ways he does that. He does that through, uh, through honor. He does that through encouragement. He does that through exhortation. Uh, but, but he'll do that if we have a humble spirit. And then Proverbs 22 and verse 4. In fact, let's turn there. Proverbs 22. Because I want you to see this. This is, this is good. This is a promise. Proverbs chapter 22 Proverbs 22 and verse 4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Now, he, he couples humility with the fear of the Lord, and I believe those two walk hand in hand. But he says if you're, if you're humble and you fear God, he says God, God says he'll give you riches and he'll give you honor and he'll give you life. Those are all blessings. Uh, humility gets God's ear, Second uh, Corinthians or Second Chronicles, excuse me, chapter seven and verse fourteen says, "If my people uh, will humble themselves and pray, uh, that that He'll hear their voice, they hear the voice, and He'll He'll heal their land." Uh, there's a promise uh, that there are blessings that God will give to us if we're humble. That He won't give to us if we don't have that humility and we don't humble ourselves before Him. Of course, the opposite of humility is pride. Now, what's pride? Well, there's some, there's some different aspects to pride. First of all, pride is believing that we have achieved what God and others have done for us and through us. Uh, taking credit for that, which we really shouldn't be taking credit for. Uh, you know, our, our, uh, our, one of our former presidents, uh, Barack Obama, said years ago, uh, made a comment that it upset some people, and rightfully so. He says, you know, if you built something, you didn't build it. Other people built it for you. And there, there, is, there is some truth to that. Uh, he was trying to take away the, the, the personal effort, the, the, the uh, uh, accreditation of, of personal effort and, and, and uh, uh, tried to give it to other people. But, but there, there is something to be said of that. Uh, if, if, if you've accomplished anything in life, understand you haven't done it all by yourself. First and foremost, God has helped you. And if God didn't, didn't allow you to get, you know, to, to get that thing accomplished, whatever it might be, it wouldn't have happened. And so you, you uh, realize that, you know, uh, pride is saying, well, I did it and I did it all by myself. And no, you didn't. 
The second thing about pride is, is pride is reserving for myself the right to make final decisions. And, and, and I decide what I want. I have actually heard Christians, I've heard Christians make the comment, nobody tells me what to do. Save people. And say it without any hesitation. What are you talking? You know what you're admitting? You are stinking proud. Nobody tells me what to do. Or, well, so-and-so can tell me what to do, but so-and-so, some other authority in my life cannot tell me what to do. Well, there's, there's something missing. And the thing that's missing is humility. That's a prideful spirit. Another, another aspect of pride is, is uh, building all life around myself and around what I want. And when I build my life around my desires, rather than esteeming others better than, than myself, then there's, there's pride that comes in. Now, God hates pride. He just hates it. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 is the account of the fall of Lucifer. Before he became the devil, Lucifer was a cherub that was an anointed cherub that covereth. And I believe that what he was, was he was the, the cherub that covered the throne of God. There, there is a cherub in front, a cherub in back, a cherub to the right, and a cherub to the left of the throne of God. At one time, there were five rather than just four. And the fifth one was the one that covered the throne. And look with me in verses 13 and 14 of uh, Isaiah 14. Verse 13 says, For thou hast said in thine heart, speaking to, to Lucifer, uh, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now notice there's, there's five I wills there. I, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Uh, five I wills. And what that is, is that that's his pride kicking in. And honestly, pride is the very first sin that actually entered into God's universe. And it was what caused Adam and Eve to fall. Uh, and Satan used it. Uh, he said, he said uh, that uh, if you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, that uh, uh, ye shall be as gods. He told them, and that appealed to their pride. And so they went ahead. She went ahead first and, and took it. And then so did he. Pride, pride is imposing our will upon God. Uh, you know, bless my plans, God. Bless my ideas. Well, why don't you get your plans and your ideas first from God? And then you won't have to worry about whether or not he'll, he'll bless them because they're his ideas, not yours. Uh, pride is putting ourselves on equal level with God. And with God-given authority, uh, not only with God, but with, with others that God has placed strategically uh, over us. Pride, pride is taking credit for what God has given to us. And that's why it's so important whenever you get 
get praised for something you did or something you are. Uh, deflect that praise. Because without God, you are nothing. Without his grace, without his mercy, you are nothing. And, and we need to keep that constantly in the forefront of our minds. We, we have a choice. We can either humble ourselves before God or he can do it. Well, I've been on both sides. Uh, I'd rather do it before God has to do it. Uh, now, there are times when, when, God, when God does it, and it's, I mean, every time God does it, it's absolutely necessary. Uh, and and the, the, you learn much from the process. But, you know, uh, several places in Scripture, it says, humble yourselves, humble yourselves, humble yourselves. The idea is, why don't you just take care of it? And really, it's a, it's a command. God tells us it's a command to humble ourselves before him and to humble ourselves before others. It's not just, you know, sometimes we think, we think well, I've, I've humbled myself before God, so I've, I've done what God wants me to do. No, God also wants you to humble yourself before others. And sometimes it's uh, tougher to humble yourselves and submit yourselves to others than it is to do so before, before God. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter five. First Peter five and verse six. This is where he makes it very clear that we need to humble ourselves. He says, verse six, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in, in due time. He has a desire to exalt us, but before we can be exalted, we, we must be humbled. And this, this happens first in our hearts. It's not first outwardly, it's first inwardly and privately before God. Now, why is, why is humility so important? Why does God put such a premium on humility? Go with me to Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, look down in verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Uh, according to that, God dwells with those and lives with those and, and makes his home. And I realize if you're saved, you, you have God with you all the time because he said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. But there's a difference with, with uh, having God with you and God dwelling with you. When he dwells with you, he's making your heart his home. And, and uh, he's at home with you. And when, he, when, when that takes place and we humble ourselves and God dwells with us, he revives our spirit. Uh, and, and he gives us the encouragement and the help that we need along the way. Go to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. And in Proverbs 16, look down at verse 19. Better it is to be an, of an humble spirit with the lowly 
than to divide the spoil with the proud. In other words, it's, it's better to be with humble folks and be broke than it is to be uh, rich and be with a bunch of, of proud people. Uh, why? Well, because it's just, it's better. It's better for you. Go to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, verse 23. says, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So pride will take you down. Um, you can see this in just in everyday life. You can see it in business. You can see it in politics. You can see it in sports. Man, I've watched it over and over again. I remember... Years ago, Pastor Keck did a project with his sons, and uh, every time uh, someone got a pride, a prideful and a haughty spirit in sports, they cut out the news articles back when newspapers were the thing, cut out the news article and pasted it in a book, and then they chronicled that person's career from that point on. And if they didn't humble themselves, man, they were, and, and they, they, they saw it, they, they actually, they actually observed it one after another after another. They, they tumbled and they fell. Well, the Bible says that pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Uh, God will honor uh, humility. He will not honor pride. And uh, if, if uh, you have a, a humble spirit, he will, he will strengthen you and lift you up. There are, there are examples uh, in history of men that have been very humble. There's all kinds of them in the scriptures, but there's also, there's also examples of them in, uh, in, in history. And uh, I want to look at, at three guys tonight that I think you get a blessing from. The first one, the first one was Booker T. Washington. And Booker T. Washington was a very educated, very smart, very intelligent black man and during the time when, when black people were really looked down upon and, and, and uh, discriminated against. And this, this story tells of something that took place in his life. It says, a, a truly humble man is hard to find, yet God delights to honor such selfless people. Booker T. Washington, the renowned black uh, educator, was an outstanding example of this truth. Shortly after he took over the presidency of Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, he was walking in an exclusive section of town when he was stopped by a wealthy white woman. Not knowing the famous Mr. Washington by sight, she asked if he would uh, like to earn a few dollars by chopping wood for her. She had no idea who he was. Because he had no pressing business at the moment, Professor Washington smiled, rolled up his sleeves, and proceeded to do the humble chore she had requested. When he was finished, he carried the logs into the house and stacked them by the fireplace. A little girl recognized him and later revealed his identity to the lady. The next morning, the embarrassed woman went to see Mr. Washington in his office at the Institute and apologized profusely. It's perfectly all right, madam, he replied. Occasionally, I enjoy a little manual labor. Besides, it's always a delight to do something for a friend. She shook his hand warmly and assured him that his meek and gracious attitude had endeared him and his work to her heart. 
Not long afterward, she showed her admiration by persuading some wealthy acquaintances to join her in, a do in, in donating thousands of dollars to the, to, to the, Tuske the, the, uh, the Tuskegee Institute. And uh, just because he had a, he had a humble spirit. Uh, another fellow, the, the guy that, um, that um, uh, f uh, developed and founded Morris Code was Samuel Morris. He was a famous inventor, and he was once asked if he ever encountered situations where he didn't know what to do. And, and Morris responded, more than once, and whenever I could not see my way clearly, I knelt down and prayed to God for light and for understanding. Morris received many honors from his invention of the telegraph, but felt undeserving for those honors. I have made a valuable application of electricity, not because I was superior to other men, but solely because God, who meant it for mankind, must reveal it to someone. And he was pleased to reveal it to me. Uh, you know, he didn't take credit for it. He gave it back to God. Another fellow is uh, uh, George Washington Carver. Does anybody know what George Washington Carver, I don't usually ask questions and messages like that, but does anybody know what George Washington Carver is famous for? Donna? Peanuts. Peanuts, okay. Peanut butter. He's the one who founded peanut butter. He, he figured out how to make butter out of, out of peanuts. George Washington Carver, the scientist who developed hundreds of useful products from the peanut, said this. He said, when I was young, I said to God, God, Tell me the mystery of the universe. But God answered, that knowledge is reserved for me alone. So I said, God, tell me the mystery of the peanut. <laughs> then God said, well, George, that's more nearly your size. <laughs> and he told me. And, and, he, and he used it. I, I love that story. I think that's great. You know what that is? That's a humble spirit. You say, whoa. Uh, you know, he, he discovered peanut butter. Yeah, he did so because God showed it to him. And he didn't take credit for himself. He gave that, he gave that credit to God. How do, we, how do we get ourselves in that kind of position like those three guys? How do, how do we humble ourselves? Well, let's take a look at what God says about that thing. Let's go over to James chapter 4. James 4. In James chapter 4, this is the process that God lays out for humbling ourselves before him. Verse 8, uh, excuse me, verse 6, 6 through, through 10, says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. There are seven things that are mentioned in that passage. First one is submit yourself to God. In other words, come to God be with unconditional surrender and say, listen, Lord, whatever you want in my life, that's what I want. Then resist the devil. 
Um, deal with problems in your life. Deal with secret sins in your life. Deal with the weights that so, uh, and, and the sins which doth so easily beset you. And deal with those things. That's resistance against the devil. Then draw nigh to God. Uh, spend time in prayer. Spend time in scripture. That's, that's getting close to him. Spend time talking to him. Spend time letting him talk to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Uh, th that's confession of sin. That's uh, making things right with others. Uh, getting, getting right before God and getting right before others. Then purify your hearts. Get rid of the hypocrisy. Uh, don't say one thing and then feel another thing in your heart. Get rid of the hypocrisy and your, your possible wavering faith. And then the sixth thing is be afflicted, mourn, and weep. Allow the troubles of life to do what they're intended to do. Troubles, you know, when we get trouble, and I'm just guilty of this as the next guy, probably more so. Uh, trouble comes across our, our path, and the first thing we do, just like the nation of Israel, we just start griping and complaining. The truth of the matter is, that's part of the process of humility. And the, 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 the trouble is coming into our life because there's some areas that need to be fine-tuned. There's some rough edges that need to be taken off. And God says, listen, you need to, you need to be afflicted. You need to mourn. You need to weep. That's difficulty. That's sorrow of heart. And God says, you know what? Sorrow is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But let it be a humbling thing. Here's what I found. I, you know, there's, there's really two responses to, to trouble and difficulty. Uh, one is this that we just spoke of, of humbling. The other one is getting mad, getting angry, uh, getting, getting discouraged, get disappointed. None of that is, is God's intention when he allows those things to come into our life. What he wants us to do is realize that this thing's come into my life, whatever it might be. It could be a big thing, a little thing, something in between. But he allows it to come into our life so that it gets our attention, number one. And number two, we, we humble ourselves. He's using that to humble us. And then the last thing, uh, in verse, down, down in verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he shall lift you up. You do it first privately, and it'll be seen publicly. But it's got to be first done in the sight of the Lord and before God himself, just between you and him. And, and, and humbling ourselves before God is just is a, is an extremely personal thing. And it has to do with changing our heart and changing our mind and realizing that we need to be humble before him. Now, that, those are the, the scriptural steps, so to speak, that God gives to us that we ought to follow in order to humble ourselves. But what are, some, what are some practical things, some specific things that we can implement into our lives along those lines of what we found in James, James chapter 4? What are some things we can do specifically to uh, humble ourselves? Let me give you just some thoughts and some suggestions. First of all, when you have critics, welcome them. Don't let the defense shield immediately come up and start defending yourself. Uh, bless those that curse you. Uh, volunteer for menial tasks. And do menial tasks like they're the most important task you could possibly do. 
That's, that's a way to humble ourselves. Uh, ask others about blind spots. By the way, all of us have them. We all have them. All of us have blind spots. We're so close to things in our own lives sometimes we don't ever see them. I've, you know, I, I've, had, I've had people make mention to me of different things they've seen in my life. And my first response is off. And by the way, if this is your first response, you're probably guilty of it. But my first response is, oh, no, no, I don't do that. Oh, yes, 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 you do. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 you do. Uh, and it's good from time to time to ask people, you know, to, to just say, hey, you know, do you see some blind spots in my life that, that I don't see? Uh, by the way, don't do that unless you want the answer, okay? Because you're going to, you know, there's times you're going to get, you really want to do, you want to do that properly. Uh, ask your family because they're the closest to you. I like the kid with our, with our young people around here. And uh, they'll tell you, I come up to them often. And I say, hey, you behaving yourself? I even do that to some of you old poopers from time to time. But, uh, but uh, I, I go up to the kids and I say, hey, are you behaving yourself? And they say yes. And if they're standing next, next to their brother, I did this, this after, uh, a few minutes ago. Um, if they're standing next to their brother or sister, I look at them and say, uh, is that right? Are they behaving themselves? <laughs> Oftentimes, the brother or the sister say, no, not at all. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, when, when that kind of thing, I, I know, I'm not picking on the kids, uh, but when that kind of thing happens to you, what do you do? you all prickly and bristly? Or do you use that as an opportunity for God to get a hold of your attention? Ask others about your blind spots. Uh, express gratefulness to others. And in whatever form is best for you, but do it. Just express gratefulness. Listen to others instead of talking about yourselves. And let every man be Swift to what? Hear, right? Let every man be swift to hear. Slow to speak, slow to wrath. What is that? Uh, that's, that's just listening to others, paying attention to others. Um, spend time, if you can do so, uh, kneel when you pray. Uh, don't, don't, just, don't just sit or just, just, don't just stand. Now, there's oftentimes I will, I will walk and pray. And one of the reasons why I do that, uh, don't raise your hands. But how many of you ever fallen asleep when you prayed? No, I said, don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. Do you know what? I've never fallen asleep while I've been walking and praying. <laughs> Not one time. Not yet. You know, it could come. Uh, let authorities make final decisions for you and accept them. Accept them. Ask uh, forgiveness for wrongs you've done. Uh, praise and honor others. Take time for prayer and take time for fasting and take time for, for alms, you know, giving, giving uh, and, and giving to others that have needs. Uh, these are secret things that the Bible talks about. Uh, give, give sacrificially. Uh, give testimony of God's grace to others. Brag on God instead of yourself. Uh, deflect praise. We talked about that a little bit ago. When you get praise, get rid of it. Give it to somebody else. Give it to God first and then to others. Be a servant. Have a, have, a, have a servant's heart. I was talking with some folks, uh, and maybe it was down in Virginia, maybe it was here, I can't remember. But uh, one thing is really missing, just from life in general, but I, I see it particularly in politics, but honestly, it has fallen into every area of, of, of life, including ministry and family, 
And that's the idea of being first and foremost a servant. You know, what we, I've heard public officials, uh, representative, legislators, uh, presidents, and so forth, uh, referred to as public servants. But can I tell you something? Most of them don't have that in mind. It's not, it's not I'm serving, it's I get to do what I want to do and ram through my agenda. That is not the attitude they're supposed to have. And honestly, that's not the attitude any of us are supposed to have, regardless of what position we are in life. Have a, have a servant's heart. Look for ways that you can serve. Even if you're in, an, in a position of authority, don't look at that position of authority first. Look at the position of being a servant to those people that are, are under you first. Let me just close this message with just asking you some, some just some real simple questions about, about humility and humility in your life personally. When people disagree with you, do you, do you argue to defend your position? Somebody says something that's contrary to what you believe, are you immediate to correct them and defend your position? Do you tend to cut off those who ignore you? You know, uh, years ago, uh, we lived out in Green Bay, and we moved into a house. It was the last house that we, that we moved into, and we had neighbors. And uh, those neighbors, the, the husband was real outward and friendly. He was a car salesman, but the wife, who, oh, she was as cold as a block of ice. <laughs> she just was. And my wife looked at her and said, I'm going to win her. I'm going to get her. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get her to smile. And I mean, she would go out into the backyard or, the, or in the front of the house. She'd see her. She'd say hello to her. And she would totally ignore her. That didn't stop Debbie. She just kept going and going and going and going. She got a friend out of that whole deal. And uh, we were back in Green Bay here just not too long ago. And... Uh, we had the opportunity to go over and see Fred and Joyce King. And it was a thrill to me to see Joyce and my wife hug. That was because I remember what she was like before. Uh, that's the kind of attitude that we ought to have. Uh, don't don't uh, take those people and cut them off. Make them a project and, uh, and, and try to be a blessing to them. Are you hurt when those whom you dislike are honored? Uh, do you find it difficult? to admit when you're wrong? Uh, do you inwardly react when people criticize you? Do you give opinions before being asked for them? Do you enjoy sharing about your accomplishments? Uh, do you talk more than you listen? Be swift to hear and slow to speak. Uh, are you more concerned about your reputation, or are you more concerned about God's reputation? What people think, not what people think about you, but what people think about God. And I think that's one of the things that, that really prevents us from being more aggressive witnesses is that we're concerned about what people think about us, not what people think about God. And that's a lack of humility. Um, do you give the impression that you have no problems? Or when you have problems, you try to cover them up so nobody can see that you're struggling? Do you, do you seek ways to humble yourself? 
do you do things for praise and for compliments? Do you accept praise rather than deflecting it and giving it off to God and others? Do, are, are you quick to correct others when they make mistakes? Do you react when you do not receive credit that you're due? Do you feel important? And last of all, do you compare yourself to others rather than comparing yourselves to God? The bottom line of the thing is, is really just the command that God gives to us. And that command is simply humble yourselves before God. That's a command that applies to every single one of us. Humble ourselves before God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see the areas tonight where we have violated humility and stepped into pride. Uh, this is something that every single one of us really fights every single day. It, it confronts us. Sometimes we fight it, sometimes we don't. But we're told we're to humble ourselves, and that's, that's a continual process. Until, until Jesus comes or until you take us home, uh, Lord, we're going we're gonna to fight that pride all the time. But the way that we fight it is by humbling ourselves before you and humbling ourselves before others. Speak to our hearts tonight about specific areas where we need to humble ourselves. We've all got them. And then, Lord, when you show them to us, help us to come to you and tell you what we're going to do about them. And confess it as sin and then make a project, something that we're going to do to, to, to work on that humility so that, uh, Lord, we can, we can be more like you. We can let this mind be in, in us, which, is, which was in Christ Jesus. Help us to be more like you by having a humble spirit. Please work in this invitation in our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.